Well, everybody, when you hear that music, you know you can rely on us. You can't rely on the Players Association. You can't rely on the owners, the fans of which you are a part and play such an important role in the game of baseball and in the lighter side of baseball because our audience is growing and I certainly appreciate everybody that pays attention and listens to uh, what my guests and I are trying to get across. A few people were concerned last week. Uh, some of my comments leading up to the negotiation in Florida, I didn't hold out much hope. Then they uh, agreed to meet every day, and they went down there like uh, little good stewards of the game of baseball. And um, you know what? When push came to shove, there was no baseball to be played. And I thought it would be appropriate to read a poet's rendition of Casey at the Bat. The outlook was brilliant for the Mudville Nine that day. The score stood 4-2, to two, but one inning more to play. And then when Cooney died at first and Barrows did the same, a pall-like silence fell upon the patrons of the game. A strangling few got up to go in deep despair. The rest clung to the hope, which springs eternal in the human breast. They thought if only Casey could get a whack at that. We'd put up even money now with Casey at the bat, but Flint preceded Casey, as did also Jimmy Blake. And the former was a boo-doo, while the latter was a cake. So upon that stricken multitude, grim melancholy sat, for there seemed but little chance of Casey getting to the bat. But Flynn let drive a single to the wonderment of all, and Blake that much despised, tore the cover off the ball. And when the dust had lifted and men saw what had occurred, there was Jimmy safe at second and Flynn a hugging third. It rumbled through the valley. It rattled in the dell. It pounded on the mountain and recoiled upon the flat. For Casey, mighty Casey, was advancing to the bat. There was ease in Casey's manner as he stepped into his place. There was pride in Casey's bearing and a smile at his face. And when responding to the cheers, he lightly doffed his hat. No stranger in the crowd could doubt t'was Casey at the bat. Ten thousand eyes were on him as he rubbed his hands with dirt. Five thousand tongues applauded when he wiped them on his shirt. Then, while the writhing pitcher ground the ball into his hip defiance flashed in casey's eye a sneer curled casey's lip and now the leather covered sphere came hurtling through the air and casey stood a watching in a haunty grand out there close by the study sturdy batsman the ball and heated sped that ain't my style said casey strike one the umpire said from the benches Black with people, there went up a muffled roar like the beating of the storm waves on a stern and distant shore. Kill him! Kill the umpire, shouted someone on the stand, and it's likely they'd have killed him had not Casey raised his hand. And with a smile of Christian charity, great Casey's vision shone. He stilled the rising tumult. He bade the game go on. 
He signaled to the pitcher, and once more the dun sphere flew. But Casey still ignored it. And the umpire said, Strike two! Fraud, cried the Madden Thousands, and Echo answered fraud. But one scornful look from Casey, and the audience was awed. They saw his face grow stern and cold. They saw his muscles strain. And they knew that Casey wouldn't let that ball go by again. The sneer is gone from Casey's lip. His teeth are clenched in hate. He pounds with cruel violence, his bat upon the plate. And now the pitcher holds the ball, and now he lets it go. And now the air is shattered by the course of Casey's blow. Oh, somewhere in this favored land, the sun is shining bright. The band is playing somewhere, and somewhere hearts are light. And somewhere men are laughing, and somewhere children shout. But there is no joy in Mudville. Mighty Casey has struck out. Oh, baby, does that say it all or what? Now, for a minute I thought I was reading Twas the Night Before Christmas and All Through the House. But as I read through the text of that mighty poet, I couldn't help thinking, the boys struck out. Not only did Casey strike out, strike out but Scherzer and, and Miller and Clark and all those guys who claim they've been there before. They've never been there before. They, they were rookies in the world of negotiations, and they were up against a group that could have cared less if they go out on strike. Could have cared less. This was reported, we were talking about this six, seven, eight months ago, that there was going to be a lockout, that the season wasn't going to start on time. And lo and behold, even though I got to admit, I shot a note to Craig Kashan saying, Craig, I think we might be getting a deal today. Wrong O, buddy. Wrong O, because this is insanity. And, you know, it's, it's impossible to blame anybody. It's more likely to blame everybody. It's the adult version of dumb and dumber. You know, um, they're just rookies. There's no Marvin Miller. There's no Donald Fear. There's no Bud Selig. There's just a bunch of, I don't know what. Mighty Manfred the Wonder Dog cannot control the 30 owners. Now, we haven't heard a thing about their splits because their solidarity Solidarity reigns pretty big. Those guys are tight-lipped, and you would never know other than speculation whether or not the big markets are fighting the smaller markets, and they're all fighting the Players Association. And you would think, look, I've settled, as I've said before, a lot of lawsuits. And people out there listening to my show have settled lawsuits. And if you're not a lawyer, you've settled disputes, and you figure out how do we get this done? And both sides give, and both sides come out of there. You know, the mark of a good mediation or arbitration is everybody's pissed when they leave. Nobody's happy. So the players are disingenuous. Max Scherzer are going, oh, we're doing this for the, for the younger guys. No, if Max would just take less money, there'd be more money for the younger guys. But that ain't going to happen. He's represented by Scott Boris, who basically was the um, 
uh, band major, the drum leader, the you know the Lawrence Welk, sitting up there with his wand, telling Tony Clark what to say and when to say it. And you know, Tony Clark's an articulate guy. I'll give him credit. But Andrew Miller and Scherzer, give me a break. You guys got played. And now where, where do we go from here? And to the owners, you know, when, when, <laughs> when are you going to wake up and settle the, this thing? And how many millions of fans are going to be turned off? And how's your TV contract? And oh, by the way, April 15th marks the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier. How are you going to celebrate that, you idiots? They are. They're fools, including any of them that I know or have met. You guys misunderstood yourselves, not the players. He knew where they were. But by God, if the owners wanted to settle it, they would have settled it. And, you, you know, for the players, they, they were looking at too many different areas to change. You know, and they, they had the owners where they wanted them. Use the bargaining chip. Say, look, all we want to do, we'll drop all our other demands, we'll do it some other day. You raise the minimum wage to 700000 and we'll play 14 uh, teams in the playoffs. And we'll forget, we'll be happy with where we are in arbitration for the time being, and this, this competitive balance is the stupidest thing in the world to get hung up over. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Only two teams went above it this year, and they could care less. And the teams that aren't going to get to it could care less. So who cares about the, the – the owners don't care about the collective, the, the, the CBT, the competitive balance tax, what used to be the – they don't care. So it's – there's 15 of the 30 teams payrolls below 60 million. You think they care about the payroll tax? The Tampa Bay today, tomorrow, in my lifetime, in my kids' lifetime, in my grandkids' lifetime, Tampa Bay will never approach the competitive balance. I don't care if it's 208, 210, 215, 180. So, for the life of me, isn't that an oxymoron, the competitive balance tax? We want to be competitive, so you big boys, you can't spend $209 million, but you can spend like six or seven teams, $100 or $208 million. That's okay. Just get right up there. Make sure you don't go over the, the no-passing zone, and there you go. So... Focusing on the CBT was dumb, 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 stupid, ridiculous, horrible, horrible tactic. Scott Boris has his nose up this competitive balance. Oh my God! They want you know these, you know. Do they want teams to pay more than the competitive balance tax, or do they want less? The small market teams are with the the players wanting to. They don't care. Make the competitive balance tax four hundred million. They don't give a hoot. They're never going to spend it. Neither are the Pirates, neither are the Royals, neither are the Pod. Well, the Padres did last time. I mean, oh, man. Now, they were spending some of Jerry Reinsdorf's money and some of uh, the Dodgers' money, and that's a little bit of the inside workings of the, the multifaceted um, mediation that was going on. The 
big owners didn't really care for the uh, Padres spending all their money to get sort of competitive. Now, I've talked about this f- forever, and they don't. Nobody listens, you know. And uh, for some reason, they didn't invite me to Jupiter, Florida, or wherever the hell they met. They didn't want me to go in there and settle this thing, but I could have, and uh, it would not have been that difficult. Uh, where I might have gotten hung up is with logic. Here's the logic. This competitive balance tax is upside down. You know, it, the players think it's like a, oh, we don't want a hard salary cap. No. We don't want to be like the NFL. No. Look at them. Well, if you look at them, they're pretty successful. They have a lot of big TV contracts, and uh, they don't strike. You know, they just go on and on. And the um, franchise gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's just, hey, they're all happy. They're all pretty happy. Doesn't matter whether you're in Jacksonville or in uh, Los Angeles. The owners are all pretty much united. Unlike baseball, where you have this schism, this split between the whatever they call small market, which I disagree with the nomenclature there, but they, that's okay. Well, let me get to my point. Not always do I get to my point quickly, but I will. And I, I'm just so disappointed in, in these amateur negotiations. Oh, my God. You know, and Manfred can't control his 30 guys. So it's like, okay, when do we say, you know, okay, come out, come out, wherever you are. They screwed them around in the pandemic, which they're now paying for. The owners did to the players. And, um, but here's where the owners make, or the players make a, a, a blunder, and nobody's jumping on. The competitive balance tax is at the wrong end of the spectrum. The competitive balance tax should be in the basement, not the attic. In other words, and this is logical, I, I see you guys out there shaking your head, finally agreeing with something I've said. Uh, make it a fine, tax them 18%, 20%, 50%, 100%. Find them for going under the salary point. Make the sa- Every team has to pay $100 million. That's within 10% of the top payroll. If you don't get your payroll up to that point, you pay a penalty. That's where they're missing this. And it's, God, if I could think of it, they ought to be able to think of it. Clearly, the union would get more money, and they're afraid. Oh, wait, if we do that, they're going to want a ceiling. And, um, well, so Okay. Explore that, but not on the eve of spring training. God bless. Come on. And so, okay, Here's we've got what we've got. And, and for those of you who think that I need to go see a psychiatrist, I don't care. I mean, I'm fine with this. Um, when it comes to my season tickets, I told the Cubs when they, un- when they unload half of their team and Mighty Manfred sits back and doesn't care, when they tank when they're in first place, you got a problem. And the players go, we don't like the way the game's going, and so we've got a problem that we want to solve. 
I'm telling you what, these guys, they give me a headache just listening to each side. Come to an agreement and get on down the road. But, you know, the owners, they were fighting about not paying any more money. The owners have them bamboozled. So, you know, back to my competitive balance tax at the bottom, that makes sense. Pay $100 million, and if you don't, look at the Oakland A. I mean, if you look at the teams under $100 million, and I'm not going to get it out right now, but I can guarantee you it was the Marlins, it was the Royals, it was the uh, um, Pirates, it was the probably the Twins, probably the uh, um, Oakland A's, probably the Seattle Mariners, probably the Texas, I don't know. You know, whew, it's a sad day. It's a sad day. Say it ain't so, Joe, except there's no Joe. Say it ain't so, Mighty Manfred, the Wonder Dog. I mean... So, here we are. Okay. It's done. They didn't get a deal. They ultimately will get a deal. You know, they think, the players think they're trying to break us. No, they're not. The owners think, well, those little whippersnappers, we're going to teach them a lesson. So, that, that's the prevailing mentality going on in Max Scherzer's mind, Scott Boris's mind, Tony Clark's mind. And some of these other bozos that are, you know, lucky to be making a living playing baseball, and now they're trying to act like labor lawyers. It just isn't uh, working, you know. And the the lead negotiator for the union, I mean, I'm sorry, but and and he's obviously not a litigator because he has a hard time expressing his thoughts, and he's afraid to say anything because he might say the wrong thing, and then Scott Boris is going to get pissed off. Not Tony Clark. Scott Boris is running this show, and if anybody thinks differently. You're wrong. He ran the show in the pandemic, and then they abandoned him because they go, hey, we need to get back to playing baseball. And Scott Boris was mad because they gave in. And so here we are. We ain't giving in. I'm running this show. Tony, you got you to gotta, you gotta buck up, baby. And so it was predictable. I held out naive hope. I swear to God, I'm telling the truth. I thought maybe after last night, uh, they'd come to a deal. They'd forget this stupid competitive balance tax. They'd agree on a minimum salary. You know, the owners, come on, fourth up to 570. We'll go up maybe to 573.5. Give me a break, folks. You know, yeah, it's not my money, but you just signed a billion-dollar contract with ESPN to have shit, <laughs> crummy coverage, you know? Bad product, slow baseball, uh, expensive beer, Big on gambling. We'll go gamble on this. What's the uh, over-under on how many days a strike will take? I'm saying 30 at least, 30 days. So that gets us um, to May. We miss Jackie Robinson Day. We miss opening day. We miss a lot of bad weather at Wrigley and Comiskey Park or whatever the Jerry wants to call that place. I'm, I'm telling you what, it's a sad day. And No, I don't know anything. I wasn't sitting in with the meeting of the owners or the players. I can just tell you there's one other segment of all this, and that's me, the paying public. The public that has had season tickets increase year after year after year. Okay, one year uh, Ricketts didn't increase the season tickets. But for the most part, they go up, they go up, the beer goes up to ridiculous amounts I mean, it is highway robbery what they charge for a beer. You go out and buy a case of Miller Lite for what, 25 bucks? And the Cubs sell one Miller Lite for 16 bucks now. 
I mean, come on. And here we go. You know, the pace of play. I turned to a guy sitting next to me watching the game the other, you know, last when they had games. Man, you know, it's 40 degrees. It's, we're in a pandemic. I got a mask. You got a mask. And we're going to sit here for a four-hour game. Guy goes, well, it doesn't matter to me. I don't have anywhere else to go. And now most of the fans go once a year out to Wrigley, see the ballpark, look at the vines, have a big beer, and, and go home. Um, the fans, man, what do we do? You know, what, what do we, what do we do fans? Um, you know, one year there was a walkout in the seventh inning. I don't know how effective that was. You'd already paid for your ticket. Um, do you cancel your MLB network whenever they get around to billing you for it? Do you cancel your, send back your Game Boy? Or, you know, whatever? Or do you just stop going? You know, and contrast this with what's going on in, uh, in the rest of the world. And um, they talk about traction. There's no traction for these guys in the public. Uh, I mean, look at me. Here's my background. Lifelong White Sox fan until I flipped to the Cubs. Longtime Royals fan, had season tickets since 1979. Go to World Series, go to memorabilia places, pay money for signatures that are ridiculous. And so I am, by my own definition, one of the most invested fans in the history of investing. <laughs> and so how do I feel? I feel, do I feel enraged? Uh, no, I don't think I feel enraged. Do I feel like I'm going to show those blank holes? Mm, maybe. Maybe that's something. Do I want to, you know, call my buddy Jerry and go out to lunch and hear why he thinks the owners are right? Nah, I don't think that'd go well. And so... You know, here we are, and the fans are out and talk about left field. We, we, we didn't even get into that 10,000-seat stadium to watch Mighty Casey strike out. So we've had the Black Sox scandal in 1919, and it took a long time for the fans to come back. Saying ain't so Joe, Buck Weaver, Ed Seacott. You know, that was tragic. We had the strike in 94 where they missed the World Series. Tragic. We had the comeback of baseball by the guys who have now been banished, basically, Sammy Sosa anyway. McGuire does manage to, you know, keep a job in Major League Baseball because he's a pretty good hitting instructor, I guess. But nobody, you know, there's, I'll never go to another game. I've heard that from a lot of people back in 94. So here we are now. And um, I don't think anybody cares. I think if they either border on I don't care or screw them, I'm just not going to go back. I don't know. I mean, I, as a fan, I, I really think you've got a tough road to hoe to get me back. And, uh, and what do I do with this podcast? Guys go, hey, man, you know, we're going to miss you, but not that much. Well, yes, you will. You'll miss me. It's fun. I'm fun. This is a great endeavor. But, you know, during the pandemic for a year and a half, I felt like, okay, 
Let's entertain everybody. Anybody wants to listen to baseball, let's we can do that. Um, you know, we can get Bob Kendrick and we can talk about the Negro League Museum and we can talk about Jackie Robinson and we can talk about all those fun things. I can talk about baseball cards. That's kind of fun. I can talk about um, Major League bloopers, which this negotiation would classify as the biggest blooper. What a joke. Really, they should be embarrassed. And then they, then they come out and go, uh, we reject the offer that was their best and last proposal. It ain't their best and last proposal. I mean, how stupid do they think that everybody is? Now, are we stupid for going back out to the game? Yeah, I think so. Are we stupid for, um, you know, I don't know what. I don't know. I, I tell you what. I have this feeling that between Joe Buck four-hour baseball, and the greedy players and the greedier owners who couldn't figure out between all of them how to get a deal done, I say, I'm not sure I care. Hmm. Now, I did commit to my buddy to buy a third of his Cubs tickets, but I'm saving money every day, man. They just, uh, you know, I haven't looked closely uh, at what those games mean. Uh, but I, I will. And I have a funny feeling that um, <laughs> it's like, who really, and I think this is part of what they thought, who really wants to go sit out at Wrigley Field in April? Really? Not too many people. Um it is sort of weird how this thing has happened. But they canceled the St. Louis Cardinals home opener. That was on uh, Cubs at St. Louis. And then the uh, Cubs are in... Um, no. No, let me tell you what. This is all screwy. Wrigley Field, April 4th. Six, Cardinals and the Brewers. First two series there. Now, for the whole season, um, I'm not sure where we are with that. But St. Louis, gone. Brewers probably gone. You know we're going to have other games canceled. You know? just makes sense. They're not going to... They got a lot to do in um, getting ready to play. They have free agents. They have the, have the Rule 5 draft. Ah, it's just like, it's funny. I mean, the, uh, it's like Dumb and Dumber. These guys just don't seem to get where they have not gotten to, or maybe where they have gotten to, I don't know. I mean, it, like I said, it defies logic. really does. First two series of the regular season will not be played. Not until they renegotiate that, you know. <laughs> oh, man. So the Cubs' regular season schedule, they... Um, 
They open up on March 30th. And I don't know, man. We'll have to figure this out. But they're going to miss two. They're going to miss more than two. They're going to miss the month of April, March and April. You heard it here. I don't know. How do you guys feel? Is everybody as frustrated as me, or do you just not really care? I guess it's like not really caring. That would be the vote. Whew. Anyway, we're going to take a little break. I'm going to calm down, and I'm going to try to figure out something to talk about that's fun for at least a half an hour or five minutes. So be good. Spotify, Apple iTunes. Is this the beginning of the end of baseball? Is this the beginning of the end of uh, this podcast? I don't think so. Hold on. The lighter side of baseball, or as some friends suggested, go to the lighter side of curling, you know? That might be more fun, drink more beer. Uh, We'll be back in a few minutes with a few things to wrap up. Thanks always for listening, and we'll be back. And back we are. Back, and ugh. We're still deflated. So here's what I was struggling. You, you guys recognize the silence after. I mean, the, the highlight of the show has probably been my rendition of Casey at the bat. No joy in Mudville. Old Casey, man. Cocky. Just like the players in the negotiating. Scherzer slash Boris. Should we call him Borscherzer? Because all he is is Scott Boris's mouthpiece. And then Andrew Miller. Oh, we've never been stronger. You know, we've been through this before. They treat us badly. We think they're trying to break the union. No, they're not trying to break the union. They're trying to bring you guys. They they don't want to break the union. They want you guys to crawl back to spring training and have a deal done. And then, you know, you. nobody knows who wins or loses until Scott Boris opens his friggin' trap. That's it. You know, ah. They should get somebody that knows how to get this thing done. And they blew it. Oh, my God, they blew it. So they're going home. Tony Clark gets it. It's, it's bad. Anyway, the reason I was struggling when I was trying to find out who the uh, uh, first two series have been wiped out from uh, Cubville is that Major League Baseball has already taken that down on all of the team's websites. Is that amazing? How quickly? So I go to MLB.com, go to the Cubs.com, and I'm going, oh, wait a minute. I thought they were going to open on the 30th. Who were they going to play? Gone. Purged. Eliminated. Wiped out. However you want to describe it, MLB has taken the bull by the horns, and they wiped them off. So if you players think we're going to pay you, you got another thing coming. The union, uh, we're not going to go unless we get paid for 162. They argue about everything, and they can't conclude it. Now, argument's good. Negotiation's great. But know where the goal line is and how to get there, okay? Uh, <laughs> so the owners have strike insurance, I'm sure. And the players have what they do, for, you out, for those of you out there that don't know, the licensing money... The Players Association controls. So let's say nowadays, and when Nelly played, if there wasn't a strike on the horizon, they might get ten grand. Now it's probably more like 150 grand a player, prorated for how much time he plays the year. So 
Tony Clark and his boys set aside 75% of the money that Max Scherzer would get for his licensing money for a strike fund. And it seems like, well, we'll pay the players. Mostly it's to pay Scott Boris and his lawyers to do their deal. That's where the money goes. Players get a little bit of stipend, um, but not much. And the owners have strike insurance, I guarantee it. But the, 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 there's so much egg on their face. This is, uh, you know, when was the last time the NHL struck? When was the last time that NFL struck? When was the last time that soccer? They don't strike because they're killing the golden goose. Dumb. And I think that, I know some of these owners, they're not stupid, but collectively they're dumb because they're fighting with each other. Now, like I said, they're tight-lipped, da-da-da-da-da, but the Major League Baseball has already wiped out. Those games don't appear. My MLB.com starts the Cubs opening day, although they don't call it opening day, is against the Milwaukee Brewers, at Wrigley Field in Chicago on April 7th at 6.40 p.m. <laughs> I don't know how many <laughs> of you people have lived in or gone to Chicago in April. It sucks. Could snow. They know that. They're not going to lose any revenue. They got strike insurance. They don't care. They really don't care. So why should I care? It's like... Here's, here's another thing that drives me crazy. As a fan, and, and maybe more of you are Chiefs fans, football fans, Bears fans, but as a fan, you, you, you do some strange things when your team's not looking good. You know, you just want to puke when the Bears go 6-12 and 12 or whatever they did, 6-13. and 13. You want to just throw something at the TV when two guys get on with walks and Javi Baez swings at the next at the first pitch he sees and grounds into a double play to end the inning. Drives us crazy. Drives me crazy. I'm crazy. I admit it. I mean, there were times when the Cubs were in the running and they brought in a relief pitcher. I had to go walk around the block. I couldn't listen. Just couldn't listen. In fact, now I have a hard time watching the game. I just flip back and forth and then you know, if I want to see it, I replay it. But when the Cubs are down 3-2 to two in the ninth inning, guy gets a, a walk. There's Anthony Rizzo, man, yucking it up with the guy. They don't care. They're getting their money. The joke's on us. They don't give a hoot. They care less about winning than I do. <laughs> I mean, so when the Cubs got rid of all of their team, it was like, a personal front to me, and uh, I got rid of my tickets. Woohoo! Way to go! Way to make a stand. Now they've done it to us again. And as a avid baseball fan and a season ticket holder, twenty years with the Cubs, I don't know, forty years with the Royals. I'm done. I I, I can honestly say this: you guys are going, ah, you have baloney. You'll be there. I'll go to games. I mean, I love the green grass. I like the symmetry of the game. Um, go in the fourth inning, stay till the ninth, you'll still see three hours of baseball. That's great. But, wow. Now, tomorrow night, I'm going to have John Wathan on, who has a new title with the, 
with the uh, Kansas City Royals, and he's like an, a great guy. And then I'm going to try to get Jason Grimsley back on the show because Grims was a player rep for the Royals, and he ought to know if there's anybody that's got some distaste for the owners of the world, it might be him, followed by Rich Goose Gossage. So, you know, I don't want you guys to think that this is negativity. I want you to think, what can we do? What can we do? Not watch the game on TV? I don't know. It's like, does that matter? Does that really make a difference? Now, if I organize 30,000 people to walk out of Royal Stadium on, at the fifth, first pitch of the fifth inning, I, I guess that's cool. But they still get all the revenue from the ticket sales and five innings of beer. So I don't know what you do. They don't care about us. Here's their answer. Well, we didn't want to pay any more money to the players because we just pass it along to the fan. So there we are. We're there for you, fans. And, you know, this thing about wanting the younger kids to have it, I, I think the minimum needs to be addressed, but not the CBT. So anyway, I can assure you there'll be baseball this year. Now, when? I don't know. I don't know, because the players say, we're unified. We have never been more unified. That They always say that. And the owners are saying, you know, we gave you a fair offer and you didn't take it, so screw it. See how you like not getting a paycheck for two months. That's their attitude. And Mighty Manfred can't do anything about it, apparently, because he's got the Mets guys, the Yankees guys, the White Sox guys, the Cubs guys, the Dodgers guys, the Angels guys, and all the big cities that seem to be like, we'll show them. No, you're showing the fans your true spirit of the game. You're all making money. Gee, many Christmas, you're all making billions of dollars, or the Kansas City Royals would not have sold for a billion dollars. So you can't tell me you're really worried about the game going south. And not only that, the Mets, $4 billion. So they've got plenty of money. They've got good players. Can't we all be friends? Can't we all figure should have been something to figure out, but, you know, it's life. Mighty Casey struck out, and so did Mighty Manfred. Mighty Manfred, Mighty Casey, Joe Jackson, Sammy Sosa, they've all been victimized in different ways at different times for different reasons in their great game. And the great game ain't that great. At reference the World Series and the uh, NLCS and the ALCS, took forever because they got to get their money. They got to have their gambling ribbon underneath. They got to have their Game Boy for sale. They got to have, you know, the only thing they don't sell is the grass that they cut. Think about it. They authenticate anything and everything. Oh, there's a foul ball hit into the stands by Mike Trout. Go get that ball and authenticate it. We'll sell it for $500. Okay. They monetize everything, and yet... They won't friggin' pay these guys $700,000 a year minimum salary while a good chunk of them are getting minimum salary. You go figure. Am I mad? No. Am I happy? Not really. Am I going to continue my podcast at least until tomorrow night? Because it's 7.30 tomorrow night. I'm talking with one of my favorite buddies in the world, John Watham. What a guy. What a guy. Looks like John's going to have a little more time on his golf game. 
He did have a new title, and I'll research this before tomorrow night. John's got a title with the Royals. And he runs Fantasy Cap. So there you go. That's fun. All right. Um, I'm shocked. My buddy Craig Kishan, I'm sure, is pissed. I can't speak for him, but I imagine he is. A little disappointed. You know, who do you blame? You blame them all. You can't blame the players. You can't blame the owners. You blame them all. They have worked hard not to get an agreement. I mean, it's like, do I really want to go try this lawsuit? I mean, we're so close. And then, poof, you're not close. And I don't think the players have a plan. We did our best. They're dragging their feet. You know, they're using this illegal method of it. Just settle. Stop calling each other by you know, the labels that Andrew Miller wants to put on them, or Scherzer, what a bunch of hooey. Um, you know, Max has probably made, I mean, this is the irony. I haven't gone back and calculated it out, but I bet you Max Scherzer from the Washington Nationals, the Detroit Tigers, and now the New York Mets and the Los Angeles Dodgers, I'm guessing that Max has made over $50 million in contract revenue. Now, how many owners have made $50 million in revenue since Max showed up on the scene? I bet very few. Now you say, oh, look at the Mets. They had $500 million of operating revenue last year. Well, we don't know that to be true. It's just like, like MLB Network again. They know where their bread's buttered, so Harold Reynolds has to have a little tightrope walk when he wants to bag on baseball not helping his union brethren. But, man, John this, this John Heyman, oh, my God, come on, dude. Now, they got to talk for eight hours. I understand that, and I, I can talk too. But you know, call it like it is. The players couldn't figure out how to get to the goal line, and Manfred couldn't get the owners to that point. So here we are, and it'll it'll get settled. And do you go to a game again? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I really don't know. If it's a four-hour game, I really don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to watch it on TV. I used to love it. I look forward to spring training. Oh my God, what a great, <coughs> you know, when your hometown announcer. Comes on the air for the first time in spring training. Didn't matter how bad the announcer was. That was great. Hi again, everybody. This is Bozo from Fort Myers, Florida, and we are here to watch the Boston Red Sox take on the Pittsburgh Pirates. And boy, is this going to be a great day. I'm glad to have you with us, and I'm so glad that we're back playing. Ba- no, you know, you're not going to hear that right now. Spring training is sort of in limbo. Um, Man, limbo, limbo, limbo. There's a limbo rock. They're doing the limbo rock, baby. I'm having fun. This is a great show. I'm sort of getting re-enthused to talk about the strike. What a day. What a day. They got us to believe they were going to settle, and then whammo, they pulled out the rug. Mighty Casey struck out. So, folks, till tomorrow night with John Watham. This is Jamie Retzke on the lighter side of baseball. There's no other side of baseball to be on. you got to be on the lighter side of baseball because there ain't no baseball. So 
Let's keep it light, keep it airy, and maybe, just maybe, sometime before the World Series. And again, uh, the owners don't really care about the game until after the All-Star break. And I don't know who's got the All-Star game. That's looking kind of bleak. I don't know who's going to – I really don't know how they're going to get around it, but they always do. It's like a – you know, I've said, oh, we'll never settle this lawsuit. And in two, two days before we pick a jury, it gets done, you know. So this will get done. Relax if anybody cares. So for me, Jamie Retzke, on the latter side of baseball for Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple iTunes, we had somebody call, you know, send me a line saying, hey, we'd like to sponsor your – no sponsors, please. I'm, I'm holding out for Papakinos. So that's it. We will talk tomorrow night. So everybody simmer down, including me. Have a good night. And uh, maybe by Thursday. Uh, nah, I don't think this gets settled before Mother's Day. Anyway, that's the over-under. Over 30. Be good. Be happy. Get out and play golf. What a beautiful day it was in Kansas City. And poor John Sherman buying the Royals. Two years of pandemic and a year of the strike. I bet he wishes he had looked somewhere else for that investment. But as the way goes, he's got Patrick Mahomes with him. Hey, have a good night, and we will be back tomorrow. (laughs) 